live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios. This is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Go ahead, talk amongst yourselves for a minute. Eric and I are discussing. <laughs> Great start to this hour of the program. Ten after eight on Wisconsin's morning news. Oh, we're, we're discussing which story that we have had in the news would yield, I don't know, more robust and interesting reaction from you. As we like to try to open the program in opening up the text line, the Old National Bank talk and text line, which is 855-616-1620, Old National Bank, get old. We'd like to start this part of the program and just hear from you on something. And so we go back and forth on what is that topic? What is the thing that people are interested in? What are you interested in? What am I interested in? Where can your input help move our conversation forward? And the two things I was thinking about today is I talked with John Mercure earlier today, and he mentioned it on Wisconsin's Afternoon News as well. The proposal from downtown Milwaukee Alderman uh, Bob Bauman, with whom I disagree on a great many things, but I might actually agree on this, he said, in terms of the reckless driving problem in Milwaukee, ought we go to, at every intersection in the city, 760 or so that have stoplights, or as we say here, stop and go lights there, should we go to flashing red lights from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m.? Every single intersection of the city, the light flashes red, you have to stop in an effort to help save lives in our reckless driving epidemic, if you will. It was either that or later today, Milwaukee County Executive, uh, Milwaukee Mayor Cavalier Johnson, uh, who else is in this meeting? Chief Police, Police Chief. Jeff Norman. Yep. They're going to be talking about, they've done an analysis on the 2022 crime statistics for the city of Milwaukee, and their analysis shows that, what is the category that says? Serious, serious crime? crime. Serious crime is down double digits. Serious crime, would you believe, is down in Milwaukee? That was like the headline, and I looked, and I'm like, you're kidding me. But homicide, obviously, is up. And that's why. For the third year in a row, we've broken a new homicide record. We're north of 200 this year, and not that anyone is celebrating that, but they do want to point out, these city officials and uh, and the police chief, like, serious crime is down. We made progress in these other areas. So I was trying to trying to figure out which one of these two topics ought we solicit input on. So you were shocked by the number. By the, the serious crime being down, which would be violent crime. And the question, yes, and the question I would ask on the old National Bank Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620, is do you feel safer in Milwaukee this year than you did last? Statistically, apparently, you are. But you don't feel like that, do you? I don't. You feel unsafe when you're in the city? I didn't necessarily say that, but I certainly don't feel safer. And the difference for me is where I've, I feel more likely that a person like me could become the victim of crime. And I had long thought, and I've told you this before, I've long defended the city a decade ago or more where people would say, well, I'm, I'm afraid to come into Milwaukee. And I'd say, I, I work in Milwaukee. I go out in Milwaukee. Like, have you, have you been here? If you're downtown or you're somewhere doing your business, you're not going to get messed with. It's... 
a certain neighborhood where you're involved in the drug trade or it's if you're encountering people or doing if you're doing something you shouldn't be doing with folks you shouldn't be doing it yeah you might but for the most part if you're just out no problem but i feel like the random victims of crime that has increased serious or otherwise and so i feel am i more likely now than i was a year ago, a couple of years ago, to become a victim of some crime in Milwaukee, I feel like I am. Well, it depends on what, how do you define the serious crime, right? I mean, that's where that number comes from, too. Uh, serious crimes were down. Um, so what are we talking? We're talking rape. We're talking violent crimes, things For like that. For serious crimes, yes. right. So I guess, right, do I feel any more likely in a serious crime? Maybe not. But do I feel more likely to have my car stolen? I feel it's more likely I could get carjacked or I could get... Rob, you know, robbed or whatever, mm -hmm. I suppose I feel more likely now than I did. And again, I know people are going to call it, you're dumping on the city. I work in Milwaukee. I go out in Milwaukee. I spend money in Milwaukee. I go to the theater. I go to the Pfizer. And like, have never been the victim of a crime. I would say that's accurate. Yeah, I suppose I have not. Um, right. And so I continue to invest in the city, be proud of the city, happy for the city, want to move it forward, all of that. I just think, you know, like the idea that, well, we should just bury our head in the sand and not talk about it then is, is ridiculous. But I also don't want to be in a position where all you do is sit here and dump on it. Again, there are many great things and I am bullish on our future, but from a crime standpoint, yeah, I would say, uh, despite what these statistics show, I feel a different way. So I guess my question is, should I feel otherwise? Well, I, you know, it, it's that. Perception becomes reality situation, yeah. and I, I'm not going to try to dissect the numbers any more than you already have, but you do wonder sometimes when that's all you hear, that's all you see when it comes to television and the, you know, the news, does that impact the perception of where we really are? I mean, clearly there's an issue that they're trying to quell, whether it's the, uh, the carjacking issue or if it's the, the homicide rate. Clearly there's, there's, there's things that need to be fixed that have been focused on the city has been very open about trying to fix those, whether or not the decisions that are being made are the right ones or if people agree with them, whole, whole different thing. Yeah, exactly. 855-616-1620. I guess I asked two questions. So <laughs> which one am I going to do? Am I doing red, uh, flashing red lights or are we doing, do you feel safer? Can I do both? You can, can do navigate both <laughs> driving this do. bus. Yes, yes. Well, I got two calls on. They both want to talk about different stuff. So I'm going to start okay, there and then we'll go. see where the conversation goes. 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank. Talk and text line. Old National Bank. Get old. Commence primary ignition. Phone lines are open. I'm going to start with Bob. Bob is with us in Waukesha this morning. Morning, Bob. Good morning, Vince and but Eric. You wanted to talk about the flashing yeah. red lights, eh? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if there's any statistical data to back that up, if other communities have, have done that. Uh, I see it as an absolute uh, no-lose situation. You Put the lights on flash and see what happens. Uh, thank you, Bob. I'm just going to rip through a couple of these quickly. And uh, I, I agree with Bob, and you might be surprised that I think this is maybe a good idea. Does it have to be every single intersection? Does it have to be 10 a.m., uh, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m.? Not necessarily. But And do I think it will curb reckless driving? No. But I do think it would prevent more situations where the Kia boys are zipping on through an intersection and T-boning somebody who wasn't driving recklessly. Very often the victims of reckless driving are not the people who are behind the wheel of the stolen car that's being chased. 
It's the people who are just minding their business, going through a green light and get hit at that intersection. This would help prevent that. So I'm kind of with Bob on that one as well. 855-616-1620, also asking the question as to whether or not you feel safer this year in Milwaukee than you did last with the city citing statistics that serious crime is down statistically. Sam is with us on the north side. Morning, Sam. Hey, thanks for the call. Um, take my call. Yeah, the, um, yeah the, the violent crime rates going down doesn't paint the entire picture. I think you're right about the driving. It. I mean, every intersection that turns green, I, I hesitate for like three seconds and look to the point where people are beeping behind me saying, hey, it's a green light, go, but I don't want to go right away because I'm afraid that, that one car is going to fly through and my life changes forever. So, um, yeah, you know, you, you weren't um, a victim yet of crime, but, you know, it, it, sadly, if as long as we stay in this town and things keep going the way they are, we could be a victim. I can't even go to a Bucks game without bullets flying through the air. It just, it's scary. It's scary times. Uh, Sam, thanks for the call. And that's not hyperbole. That happened. Remember, after one of the championship games, we had the, literally a shootout on Water Street with people gathered around. And that's happened a couple of times. So it's not, you know, that has happened. Does it happen all the time? Does it happen regularly? No, I wouldn't argue that. And again, I still, I still go to these things. But you had the incident the other day where folks going to the Marquette game had their cars parked out on the street near Pfizer Forum, and a ton of them got broken into. So serious crime, a lot of people asking what exactly does serious crime mean? Well, they're going to address this later this morning. And serious crime, according to the city, is defined by the FBI as part one offenses. So part one offenses are... Uh, rape, aggravated assault, robbery, burglary, larceny, motor vehicle theft, arson, human trafficking, and then a couple of others. So that if I look up part one offenses, that's what comes up. A couple more calls on the line and more texts to get through this morning. The Old National Bank talk and text line is 855-616-1620. Old National Bank, get old. You feel safer in Milwaukee this year than you did last because statistically, police say you are. Eight twenty-three on Wisconsin's morning news. I actually kind of combined two stories that are in the news into this conversation about safety in Milwaukee and whether or not we feel safe. Statistically, Milwaukee Police Department is out with new figures for 2022 and basically arguing, at least in terms of serious crime, we are safer in Milwaukee this year or last year we were than the year before, which probably my guess is not how most of us feel. What we feel and what the actual stats are, though, uh, are not always in concert. So I've been asking folks, do you feel safer now in Milwaukee than you did before? 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old. So this text that totally resonated with me, it, it, it describes my feelings as well. This person texted, I feel safe, but the last few years I've been keeping my head on a swivel just in case. That's where I'm at. I would definitely say I'm more aware more my surroundings. Exactly. And now that we work downtown, again, I want to keep saying over and over again, I bring my family downtown. We were downtown right before Christmas, the whole family. I don't not come downtown. I don't not go in Milwaukee. I still come here. We work here. I'm for it. But I would say that, right, I don't feel safer, and I feel like mm, I'm going to keep an, eye, keep an eye out, be very aware of things. You had brought up the flashing lights and whether or not 
implementing red flashing lights at 10 p.m. and through, what, 6 a or whatever the time would be in the morning, if that would make driving safer. Uh, Mitch texting in, later evening flashing lights do work to benefit safe drivers. you got to stop and look both ways for danger. Also, it eliminates the incentive to accelerate through a yellow light to beat the impending red. And <laughs> yeah, in light traffic, it actually can no one flow ever quicker. That. Yes. Then waiting for a red. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. Susan's been on hold here for a minute. Good morning, Susan. Thanks for calling the show. Hi, good morning. Um, ironically, as you started this conversation, I came up to a flashing red light. So the stop and go lights on kind of a busy street. Really still so at this hour, right? huh? Uh, yeah. Um, so if anybody else is on Good Hope Road... <laughs> Uh, they have a flashing uh, stop-and-go light. Um, so I was behind a very long line of cars, so it took me a good 10 minutes to proceed. Um, and now I'm not a, at another red light, but it's not flashing. So um, the, if you're at a busy intersection, I think that if that were an option, it would definitely create um, people thinking about how long their drive time might be based on the um the direction they were going or like their path to work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks Susan. And I don't disagree with her. I think this, this proposal would definitely need some tweaking. Say you got a bucks game that's emptying out or a late Marquette game or something like that. You don't want flashing reds right there in your oh, Pfizer sure, forum right. while you're trying to clear 16,000 right. people out. So you need police. In a crowd control situation, you have officers sure. there for those Can we zip for the most part. There? Anyway, yeah. But in general, like I, I have to admit, I'm a fan of the flashing <laughs> because it goes, actually, in my mind, it kind of goes a little quicker. Overnight, right. I mean, we come in. Yeah, when you come in early or something like that, you're stopping and going, you're stopping and going, you're stopping. I mean, you take a quick look and you go. It's different than having to stop at a red for, what, 30 to 35 seconds, and then right. you go. How, how long, like, overnight, late, you've been sitting at a red light going, what am I doing here? 827 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Let me talk to uh, Joe here. Joe is with us from West Dallas this morning. Hi, Joe. Uh, hi, good morning. Um, great show. Um, I think it's a good idea, you know, but like the other uh, caller said, it's or uh, text message said, it's for people that already drive safe. Right. You know, um, if, if you just look at the numbers, drunk drivers have killed hundreds of, pe- of more innocent people than any kill and all the kill boys put together. You know what I mean? But the whole thing right now is, you know, lock them up, throw away the key. They're little black boys, right? But all the drunk drivers that we have complete like seven times drunk drivers. They keep getting out. You know, the real danger out there in the streets are these drunk drivers, not the kill boys. But, you know, okay. Have a great day. Hey, thanks, Joe. And I appreciate the call. I'm consistent on that one too. I, I agree with him there. I We've talked about it here. Like guys who are getting out after a fourth, after a seventh, after a 10th offense OWI, like, what's the number? Find me what number it is where you lock a person up for drunk driving and never let them out again. I don't know that it's two or three, but I know it's not seven or 10, and that is a huge problem. What this flashing reds does is it stops you from getting plowed by that guy. I remember interviewing a um, a man who was an alcoholic who had been pulled over several times, and uh, he even straight up said, he's like, look, I will... I'm trying to stop. I, I'm looking for help, but I will continue to drive. I, you know, the best. And his point was basically the best way to stop me 
is to put me behind bars. And he wasn't saying, hey, you're not going to stop me, though. I'm going to keep right. driving. He wasn't trying to mock it. He was just being legitimately serious. Like, this is a, a struggle that many people fight through. And put me in a place where I can't do harm to myself or others is the only way. Aspect of it I've never understood. I understand alcoholism. And I understand treating it as a disease. And I understand it's an addiction and whatever. But then, like, I've never understood then why even that translates into then driving. You know? People make mistakes, things like that. A couple of people know what they're doing that second or third time and shouldn't have done it, whatever. When it's like your seventh time, I don't get it anymore. Like, why do you even have a car? 855-616-1620. Back with more right after this. Got to get to the news here, but uh, final point on this. Uh, one last text on the Old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old. Reckless driving is by definition people disobeying the law. Changing the law will not cause people to suddenly obey it. The answer is raising children to be respectful. No government program or vote of a legislature can do that. I think that's a struggle that we have as we try to address how to handle the reckless driving situation. I don't think flashing red lights stops other people from driving recklessly. If you're already running from the cops, you're not now going to stop for the flashing red. The only thing it does do, and I think that's why it has some merit, is at least if you're on the road at that moment and you have to stop and you have to look both ways, you may be able to see that coming and prevent a crash that would have taken your life or someone else's. So that's where that can have at least that effect. And also, it costs $0. So maybe worth a try. 8.33 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Thirty-seven on Wisconsin's morning news. I thought we had kind of a unique thing going here, E, but uh, people have been texting this morning about the story I told earlier about our, our little game that we have going here, and others have experienced it as well. This from the Old National Bank talk and text line, our foam dart is a can of cream corn. It's been going on for 30 or 35 years. As far as I know, it's in my buddy's possession at his place in Manaqua. I'm sure one day I will look and it will be in the back seat of my truck. Ah, so the cream corn continues to travel from <laughs> yes. person to person. Somebody else said they have in their family a can of beans or something like that. A can of chili it was. And it just ends up in various other people's possession. This was from an earlier conversation we had about Eric getting shenarded. <laughs> Explain shenard, what? So why don't you tell us what you found okay, right. in, in an, a fairly important meeting. One of the highest level people to whom you and I report directly. Mm -hmm. So she basically runs all of Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. During my one-on-one -on -one with one -on -one her One-on-one with her yeah. where you want to have your stuff in order, right? Well, so a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it's been longer than that, I found a foam dart on my desk. Like one of those ones that goes in a Nerf gun. Any parents of young kids might know what these are. Like these little guns you can shoot around. You probably stepped on one this morning. <laughs> right. Not in and my I'm house like, anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah, but uh, yeah, dogs might chew them up occasionally, but like they're like colorful. They're about like three inches long. They're foam and they got like an orange tip and they're blue or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know how one got here, but there's one here in the office and I found it on my desk. Presumably, I, you put it there. So I found a place why, to put now it Why on. did you think that right away that that's where that came from? Well, it could have been. Because our desks uh, the cleaning are next staff, to each other. Just, and uh, this must have gone here. It was delicately placed right there on my desk. I, I figured someone put it there intentionally. So I assumed that person was you. So I put it on your desk. And then I found it back in my desk. Yes. Then I put it in your drawer. <laughs> then I found it in my bag. 
then I did something else with it. I put it someplace else I, I, in your possession. Yes. And then yesterday, I'm in my meeting, and I got my uh, my yellow notepad out, my big yellow notepad. It's right here, sitting right here. And I <laughs> yes, exactly. set it down. I got my pen. I pull out. I got my you know details of things, my items that I want to go through. And <laughs> there it is. Pulled out the Nerf tucked, dart. Tucked in my notepad is the Nerf dart. And I like stop, <laughs> put my head down as I'm in my meeting. Like, oh, <laughs> yep, there it is. And what did you feel? Did yeah, you feel draw. shame? Yeah. <laughs> did you feel... Defeat? I felt frustration. No, yes. never defeat. <laughs> never defeat. What I, I love got it. about it's this right here, but we'll find a place for it. Don't worry. Is exactly as you described as what I went through mentally when I found this Nerf dart on my desk at work. I'm like this is not mine. <laughs> I don't know where it came from, but I'll just put it on Eric's desk. <laughs> and then when it returned, I was like, "All right, the game is afoot." And but we never we, we never spoke of it. It was never mentioned. It just kept ending up in various things. So I knew that you knew that I knew what was going <laughs> yeah. on. And still this continued. And that's why it was well, fun. Well, here's the part that's crazy is that for whatever reason, the last couple of days, I have not been bringing my work bag home. I've just been grabbing my notebook, my yellow notepad, and my calendar. I've just been carrying that with me to the car. And I walked in yesterday with you carrying that, and I wondered if it was tucked in then. It was. It was in there right at the moment. <laughs> so here you even saw it, and I didn't realize it was tucked in my notebook. So I say you got shenarded because this occurred earlier in my life in college. Kind of on the periphery of my immediate friend group was this dude, Eddie Shenard from Eden Prairie, Minnesota. And Shenard, when we were, must have been juniors because... Three other dudes and and I were living in a house together off campus, and Shenard would hang, and he studied overseas. I think he was in Spain for a semester, and so <laughs> Shenard sends us a postcard, two in fact, from yeah, Spain. It's nice. <laughs> to the boys at 814, that's how he talked, Eddie Shenard. He got a real deep voice. <laughs> so so Shenard sends us this postcard, and it was nice. Okay, Eddie, we, we had a good laugh about sure, it, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, it ends up on my dresser, and I don't know why. So I'm like, all right, put it on my roommate's dresser. Next day, it's back. It's back on my dresser. And then I'm like, I don't want this, so I throw it in his laundry basket. Next day, it's in my desk. And this goes, much like you described, this goes back and forth between until finally somebody says, hey, <laughs> what? I don't want this. I don't want this. Like, why do I have to have it? Well, because... I just assumed you. Why did you assume I wanted this? So that postcard still traveling back and forth. The Shenard card's last known location was my wedding, <laughs> like twenty three years ago. Interesting. And I mean, it, it became a game, and my other roommates got involved as well. And what you wanted was to not end up in a situation like you were, where you got Shenarded in some place off site <laughs> or somewhere like where you would have a reaction in someone else's presence, who's like, "What?" And you're like. I can't. I don't even know how I would explain this to you. Why this is here and why I'm mad about it. I got my. It really escalated when I got my buddy who is now a polymer chemist. And I got Grippy in one of his chem classes. He opens his book and he's ah, there it is right. Vetrano. So then it ended up in in Duffy's frozen chicken fillets in the fridge. Like we put it in his in his Ooh, food. You should bake it in a cake. Right. <laughs> like brilliant ice idea. cubes or something yes, right great idea so it ended up all these different places and finally at my wedding i stuffed it in one of the guys i i somehow ended up with the chenard card i got i got the last points i guess when we graduated i found it 
And so I put it in his tux rental. So the guy at Men's Warehouse found it. <laughs> so I don't know who is in possession of the Chenard card right now, but some somebody is eternally Chenarded at the moment. And nor do I know where Eddie Chenard is these days. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you Facebook friends with that guy? I'll have to look him up. 844 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight forty-eight on Wisconsin's morning news. Spent a little time on this. They found more stuff in President Biden's stash of documents from his days as vice president in the Obama administration. Let me get uh, get you up to speed here with ABC News on that. Sources say the additional documents were found at a different location from the office where the initial records were discovered from Biden's time as vice president. Lawmakers are now demanding answers and calling on the Justice Department to take action. The White House has not yet commented on the second set of documents. Sources tell ABC News the original batch contained vice presidential briefs about foreign countries and some were marked top secret. That's Christy Aletto reporting for ABC News. So this is a second batch of docs. That it appears the president was not supposed to have news of the first batch of docs broke earlier this week. Uh, Let me get uh, Ileto again here quick from ABC. The House Oversight Committee is vowing to investigate. Its chairman is demanding to see the documents. (laughs) Yes, he is. (laughs) Rubbing their hands together. Oh, boy. Here we go. Remember that scene in uh, Ghostbusters? We got one! (laughs) There's a bell ringing over there. Yeah, they're pretty excited about it. And did I hear that right, that they don't, he doesn't know what they are, right? The president isn't aware of what these documents obtain. Yes, that is true. That's what he said. He's on record to say, I don't know what the documents are, and was told not to even to ask so what why, the documents are. Why not? Like, why can't he say, well, what are those? Here, let me give you, here, here's him. I got that. Let me see. I don't know what's in the documents. I've, my lawyers have not suggested I ask what documents they were. I've turned over the boxes. They've turned over the boxes to the archives. And we're cooperating fully. I just found out I had an office there. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know there was a closet there. Sir, do not ask what's in the box. I wasn't vice president. I was in the Senate. No, sir, you were vice president (laughs) for eight years. No, I think maybe it is. I mean, for his lawyers, just as cinema would reflect. Why the hell wasn't I told about this place? Two words, Mr. President. Plausible deniability. (laughs) See, when you're... Smart guys like Eric and me, everything yeah, in life yeah. relates back to movies. Mm-hmm. Independence Day, one of the best ones. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> that villain. Nobody liked that guy. He was what? Chief of staff? He must have been. For the president during the aliens? You're fired. He ended up firing. <laughs> You're fired. Why the hell wasn't I told about this place? Two words, Mr. President. Plausible deniability. Well, so we have the situation with uh, the former president, Donald Trump, and all of his documents, right? And that's going through the court system right now. Um, you got to think Merrick Garland's got to be like, come on, <laughs> Mr. President. Please. Now I got to do this. Now we got to figure out something with this. I'm going to get all this pressure now to look into this. I don't really want to do this. I don't have the same energy behind investigating <laughs> your as I do the other guy. Well, it makes you wonder, too. Do you think like I'm just curious why they ever leave? Why are these documents even obtainable anyway? To be able to carry them with you and go to offices with them and then lock them in a door or lock them in a closet, I mean. So is this what happens? Do other lawmakers and other former presidents have the same stuff? I, I bet. Like, I, and I, again, take, take the personalities out of it. Take Trump out of it. Take Biden out of it. You know, even take party out of it. Go through, I don't know, the last how many 
There's boxes of stuff that don't belong there, right? Makes because sense. they don't even box it up themselves. It's not like he was sitting here going through stuff, either of them, him or Trump, in fairness, going through, ah, I'll take these nuclear codes, I'll take this stuff, you know. I think it's entirely possible that in the case of former President Trump, a lot of that stuff he didn't remove either. It's just how they reacted to it was different. They fought it, yep, over the and Biden over people and over said, again. all right, well, we better send these back. And the Trump people said, let's pick a fight, because that's what he likes to do. So do you think, like... W is like, oh, okay. I better check the check around here. Calling his lawyers. Hey, do we have any that's going <laughs> right, to come up? Yeah. Obama doing the same thing. Check his closet with the painting supplies and his <laughs> easel in it, or whatever he's doing what now. The, maybe it's a mystery. Maybe they're hidden behind the paint. Right? He's got a painting, <laughs> right, and then a safe behind it. Better check that safe. Carter has him in a box, like in the basement of a church somewhere in one Georgia. His, right, right. <laughs> and one of his habitat houses. Isn't that his big thing? Habitat <laughs> yes, thing, man. Yes. Some house frau is opening the <laughs> closet door and it's like, hmm, what's this now? Uh, enjoy the house, but I need those documents I'm going to need back. those back, right. <laughs> I think it could very well happen more often than not. The apples to oranges comparison is, and the Biden administration is not entirely innocent in this in terms, well, we called the archives right away. Yeah, but you didn't tell us. The American public was not made aware of this but for investigative reporting that only broke this week on both of these cases. You didn't tell us when you found them in early November, <laughs> November right, right before the midterms. So, yeah, you called the archives and, yeah, you say you gave them back, but there's still a little bit of shadiness there. So then in another six months, do, will we hear about some more documents from another former president? You think they'll kind of like just... You think these guys he, aren't right now going like, this out? Ooh. Okay, when's the best time to make sure people know so it doesn't sound like we're hiding this? Yeah, right. What's because I, I remember remember when Osama bin Laden died, when, when they took him out, they took pictures of his remains. Obviously, yes, they, okay, they dumped right. him in the ocean. And I remember like it took a lot of work for any lawmakers that were part of a specific committee. They could go in and view those photos and view some of the evidence and remains or whatever that they had collected and then documented. And like they had to go through a process to do that. To even look at it. Yes, like, wouldn't you think that these documents would be under the same type of lock and key? Not that you need an eye scan or something, but like if you have to go to a specific place to get it, yeah, should I, you not be walking away with it? I, I, you know, here's how we can fix this, right? Just nobody takes documents out. When, you're, can't, when can't you're done, leave this, leave this stuff building. here. We'll go through it. Some of it will be archived. Here's the database you can search if you want to write your book later or whatever, but... But just don't take anything out. You also wonder, like, how many of them are like just like a menu or something, <laughs> like a Chinese menu, right? Uh, in case we call it, this place was good. I'll just throw it here in the desk. Eight fifty-five on Wisconsin's morning news. Eight fifty-eight on Wisconsin's morning news. They found Chenard. <laughs> your buddy, your classmate. I, I didn't even need any new need to ask for it. Old National Bank talking text line is indeed wise. You know, somebody found Eddie Sh Edward Chenard. I help companies monetize their data and create great experiences for customers with data. There he is in the greater Minneapolis-St. Paul area. When's the last time you talked to him? Eddie, the graduation. <laughs> Why were you looking for him? It was a story. Oh, we of weren't this. really looking. For him. <laughs> we weren't. <laughs> I probably even shouldn't have named him. Like it's not on Eddie, but we had this. Eric and I've had this back and forth between a with a. Do you have it? Yes, it's right here. This Nerf dart that ended up on my desk somehow. So I threw it on his desk, and then he threw it back on my desk, and then we've had this back and forth. And I finally got him the other day. He was in a meeting with Emily, 
mm-hmm. which is not where you want to be goofing around. <laughs> well, I don't know. He, he finds this, he finds this <laughs> nerf dart in there. And I was telling the story about we had this thing going with this dude, Eddie Chenard, who had sent us a postcard, one of our buddies, and it used to go back and forth between my roommates and me. And so, of course, the old National Bank talking text line being what it is, somebody found Chenard and nice. texted a picture. Will you reach out to him? What do you want me to get ask him? Get him on the show. <laughs> Why well, is that a hard, hard call? Hard. Get him on a damn show. <laughs> to talk about what? I don't Nonsense. know. His postcard. How was his trip to Spain? <laughs> 20-some years ago. 25? Oof. Old. I wonder if he's returned. If, from if, Spain? Ha, no, yes. has he ever, no, has he ever returned? Has he ever gone back to Spain? I don't, what I was don't the, know. What was the trip to Spain for? He was studying like, abroad. in college. Oh. Study abroad. I studied abroad, but I didn't have to go anywhere. Hey! Hello! Steve Scafidi is next on WTMJ.